Adventure of the Gold Tiberius The acquaintance between Mr. Dyson and Mr. Charles Phillips arose from one of those myriad chances which are every day doing their work in the streets of London. Mr. Dyson was a man of letters, and an unhappy instance of talents misapplied. With gifts that might have placed him in the flower of his youth, among the most favored of Bentley's favorite novelists, he had chosen to be perverse. He was, it is true, familiar with scholastic logic, but he knew nothing of the logic of life, and he flattered himself with the title of artist, when he was in fact but an idle and curious spectator of other men's endeavors. Amongst many delusions he cherished one most fondly, that he was a strenuous worker, and it was with a gesture of supreme weariness that he would enter his favorite resort, a small tobacco shop in Great Queen Street, and proclaim to anyone who cared to listen that he had seen the rising and setting of two successive suns. The proprietor of the shop, a middle-aged man of singular civility, tolerated Dyson, partly out of good nature, and partly because he was a regular customer. He was allowed to sit on an empty cask, and to express his sentiments on literary and artistic matters till he was tired, or the time for closing came. And if no fresh customers were attracted, it is believed that none was turned away by his eloquence. Dyson was addicted to wild experiments in tobacco. He never wearied of trying new combinations. And one evening, he had just entered the shop, and given utterance to his last preposterous formula, when a young fellow of about his own age, who had come in a moment later, asked the shopman to duplicate the order on his account, smiling politely as he spoke to Mr. Dyson's address. Dyson felt profoundly flattered, and after a few phrases the two entered into conversation, and, in an hour's time, the tobacconist saw the new friends sitting side by side on a couple of casks, deep in talk. My dear sir, said Dyson, I will give you the task of the literary man in a phrase. He has got to do simply this, to invent a wonderful story, and to tell it in a wonderful manner. I will grant you that, said Mr. Phillips, but you will allow me to insist that in the hands of the true artist, in words, all stories are marvelous, and every circumstance has its peculiar wonder. The matter is of little consequence, the manner is everything. Indeed, the highest skill is shown in taking matter apparently commonplace and transmuting it, by the high alchemy of style, into the pure gold of art. That is indeed a proof of great skill, but it is great skill exerted foolishly, or at least unadvisedly. It is as if a great violinist were to show us what marvellous harmonies he could draw from a child's banjo. No, no, you are really wrong. I see you take a radically mistaken view of life, but we must thresh this out. Come to my rooms. I live not far from here. It was thus that Mr. Dyson became the associate of Mr. Charles Phillips, who lived in a quiet square not far from Holborn. Thenceforth they haunted each other's rooms at intervals, sometimes regular and occasionally the reverse, and made appointments to meet at the shop in Queen Street, where their talk robbed the tobacconist profit of half its charm. There was a constant jarring of literary formulas, Dyson exalting the claims of the pure imagination, while Phillips, who was a student of physical science and something of an ethnologist, insisted that all literature ought to have a scientific basis. By the mistaken benevolence of deceased relatives, both young men were placed out of reach of hunger, and so, 
meditating high achievements, idled their time pleasantly away, and reveled in the careless joys of a bohemianism devoid of the sharp seasoning of adversity. One night in June, Mr. Phillips was sitting in his room in the calm retirement of Red Lion Square. He had opened the window and was smoking placidly while he watched the movement of life below. The sky was clear, and the afterglow of sunset had lingered long about it. The flushing twilight of a summer evening vied with the gas lamps in the square, and fashioned a chiaroscuro that had in it something unearthly, and the children racing to and fro upon the pavement, the lounging idlers by the public house, and the casual passers-by rather flickered and hovered in the play of lights than stood out substantial things.